welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Each week these idiots pair cocktails with comic books. You can find the cocktails, drinking game rules, and playlists on the blog at funnybooksandfirewater.com. While at funnybooksandfirewater.com, you can also find a drinking game rule to play while you listen to each episode. You can follow us at FirewaterCast on Twitter, and FunnyBooks and Firewater on Facebook and Instagram. This is episode 152, Incognito, part of the Bro Baker and Phillips team up month. Inventory control analyst, analyst mm-hmm. sucks. And, you know, I, I talk about everything at work, but what I actually do, because that's funny. And yeah. it's interesting. You're like, so what do you do? Well, at work, we do X, Y, Z, and J. It's like, oh, well, so... And they just make the assumption that's what I'm doing. And I'm like, no, yeah. I don't actually do any of that shit. Mm-hmm. So but, so this podcast comes up and we're like, oh, we've done 151. We're working on 152 episodes now. It's like, wow, that's so awesome. How do you make it happen? And, and the response is, there's a number of friends that we always go, you know, we always need to keep in touch or we need a reason to do something. And this is the reason to make that happen and keep it going. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm like, it's how I stay friends with, oh, yeah, that's a friend I talked to three years ago. And how do we prevent that from happening? Exactly. This is that right now. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, since we are all, I mean, although that me and Jason are in the same state, we're in practically different states. (laughs) Yes. uh, (laughs) with, With the traffic as it is. So it's sort of how it's like, you know, it's nice to get Jason looped in on this because it's the same sort of thing of like me being able to keep track of like uh, Todd and I mean, me and Todd are doing pretty well talking to each other anyway, but like this definitely we talk a lot more frequently because of this. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, Jason and Maya for sure. I know Jason and Maya, sorry. Adam and Maya for sure. I talked a lot more because of this, you know, so it's kind of, you know. I will yeah. s- it's I met Adam because and Maya because of this show here. And it's, it's been, yeah, it's been really cool. So. I will say for, for me, in addition to uh, obviously Brian just being able to keep in touch with you more and uh, by proxy meeting and talking to your friends, uh, this has started for me in a period of my life, which was probably the most difficult thing I've ever been through. And mm-hmm. so being able to focus on this uh, throughout the weeks and have something that uh, requires a little bit of attention and, and just gets me to think outside of my personal circumstances it's been uh, mm-hmm. it's been a great great resource for that it's almost like i strategically awesome. invited you at a very specific time in your life it's almost like i thought about that beforehand when i said hey do you want to do a podcast with you? <laughs> and i appreciate that <laughs> oh i'm, I'm so. happy to have you actually as uh i mean since we're you know jacking everybody uh, each other off right now anyway yeah uh, that is the great circle jerk yep. it is a great circle jerk right now uh <laughs> no i mean I've, I've told a lot of people that i think that jason has added a lot to the show i've told todd that i've told uh you know I mean, and, and Adam's told me that as well. Um, and we told our friend Lena that, who I invited Lena to be on the show today. And she was like, well, but uh, I don't have the book for today. I'm like, I'm not saying today. I'm saying at some point in time, if you'd like to be on the show, you're more than welcome to do so. Because frankly, we're kind of a sausage fest. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. So and I, I think Lena would actually be pretty fun on this. Because all I said is you need to have an opinion. And I, <laughs> I might cut this out, but Lena is nothing if not an opinion. So... <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it oh, in. Okay. Hi, Lena. Love you, Lena. But yeah, you know I'm right. Uh, well, welcome to episode 152 of the Funny Books of Firewater podcast. I don't know how much that circle jerk stayed in, uh, but uh, whatever. Uh, we had a mutual love fest yes. here. If I cut it out, we were all loving each other before we started, which is great. It's, you know, we're recording this post Valentine's Day. That's how it goes. Uh, so. Uh, this week, uh, oh, we're continuing on our month of Brubaker and Phillips books with a book called Incognito. We'll get into a little bit more details on that. Um, we're a little bit small on the group this week, but we are small but mighty. Uh, <laughs> speaking of mighty, we have Mr. Jason. Hi, I'm Jason, uh, unemployed writer in Los Angeles. And until I get my next job, uh, I've just been regaling you listeners with my previous exploits. Uh, God, this was maybe... Eight, nine years ago, I produced a music video for the band Shiny Toy Guns. Uh, it was a song called mm-hmm. Rocket Ship. And the director of that video, Andrew Wong, uh, has continued making music videos and recently did a bunch for Bjork and one for Sigur Ross. Cool. Oh, nice. I remember when you were working on that. You invited me to come be an extra and I couldn't get off work that oh, day. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that was one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I didn't make yeah. that one. That's, okay. That's all right. You, you missed uh, a robot falling in love, but it's all good. I, I've seen the video. I watched That's it on right. YouTube. <laughs> you sent me the yeah. link after the fact. It's a fun one. Uh, speaking of a robot falling in love, we have Mr. Todd. You know, that's all the introduction I need. <laughs> 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 Nothing else needs to be said. Thanks, guys. I'm going home. <laughs> so, hey, I'm Todd. I'm here in Utah. Okay. Um, you can find me here doing this podcast, showing up on time with our other timely panelists. <laughs> that's right. We are See? the timely panelists, we, actually. You yeah. Know, we, yeah, I'm going to stop that there. And then... <laughs> okay. <laughs> you cut any of that out? No, okay. leave it in. Leave it in. Okay. And then I sometimes do another podcast called English Class Hooligans, where it's a voluntary book report on classic literature with the cat wrangler himself and my better half, Amy. Yes. Wait. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. Now... The panelist that isn't here today would be Adam. He tried to. It didn't work out because of things, but he's got a new gig, and he's still working through the newness of that. We miss you, Adam. And Maya, apparently, is just having too much fun at amusement parks, and good for you, man. Everyone deserves a break. Yeah. <laughs> we were, we were, Jason got to meet Maya in the flesh yesterday for yes. the first time. We all went yes. to the studios together. So... Um, and I, yeah, with um, Maya, I'm trying to remember the exact first time I met him, but he's Maya's a great cat. I'm just going to give that. And he gets close in a hurry. There was instant romance. You know, he's the kind of guy that gives you a handshake and feels like, is he trying to finger me with his hand? And then he goes <laughs> in for that hug and like, and then his like right foot wraps around your thigh, and you're like, this is an interesting guy, Maya. Well, that's, that, Did he do that to you, Jason? I felt all warm yesterday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So it's good. But, you know, Adam sometimes does another podcast, Bored as Hell, with our good friend Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. I just did all of that preamble just to get that in because <laughs> I figured as much because you said the hi Amy and then I, you started introducing Adam I'm like oh he's going for the hi Andy it's what we do because Andy's the man and he deserves it um, and then Adam also does a show called Cinema Queens with Chris hey, Chris. hi Chris hi oh and hi I'm Brian I was like <laughs> and moving on oh wait hi I'm Brian um, I'm a sound designer based out of Southern California and uh, I'm doing a bunch of stuff it's uh, it's not that interesting. No one can. I mean, really, unless you're like 80, you're not really going to come see my shows anyway because old people are the ones who go to see theater. Like, that's how it goes. So that's fine. I understand that. So, and if you have blue hair and you're listening to the show, I want to meet you because that's pretty awesome. And I meant blue hair in like the old person way, not in like the young punk way like Adam. Um, so, yeah. Uh, cool. So this book um, is called Incognito. Uh, it's by Brubaker and Phillips because all the books we're doing this month are by Brubaker and Phillips. Sean Phillips doing the art and Brubaker doing the um, writing. Um, and then there's a Val... Staples. Staples? Yes. yes. Because uh, I saw with Staples, I thought, is did Fiona Staples do the color on this? Which I thought would be really cool. Uh, no. But Val Staples is the colorist, which I feel like should be mentioned because I think the coloring is actually pretty spectacular on this book. Mm-hmm. Um so, uh, but Sean, uh, but the book Incognito, and correct me if I cover up anything wrong, is basically about a supervillain in the Witness Protection Program who, uh, for a brief period of time, becomes a superhero and uh, gets his powers back and hijinks ensue. Uh, that's the rough yeah. opening. Does, is, that, yeah. is there anything else that should be mentioned? That no? Feels good. no, no, no. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Okay. Okay, cool. Todd, what is the myification for this book? I guess I'm writing superheroes again. <laughs> I guess I'm writing superheroes again. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I mean, because I, I understand where you're going with that because Brubaker has wrote, written a lot of famous superheroes, but for the last little while, most of what we've read has all been um, based on uh, it's been like criminal type stuff. It really is. Um, so. I was reading in about um, Brubaker. He really got burnt out writing for the big two, and it's like, I can never do this again. Mm-hmm. And then he'd been doing criminal mm-hmm. for a while, and the idea for this book kept propping into his mind. He's like, "What the hell? I broke off on my own not to do this anymore, and yet here it is." Also, um, I don't know about anybody else, but my copy has an introduction by Bill Hader, which I think is pretty interesting. That the last, like the, these comedians are writing the introductions to these comic books because last week's was Patton Oswalt, this week's Bill Hader. I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if anybody else noticed. Mine's that or not. got a Brew Baker itself, so oh, right. I've Classified. got the uh, incognito. The classified yeah, I got that too. So yeah, both from, volumes from the Icon Comics mm-hmm. imprint. Okay, so you have both volumes yeah. together then. Yes. Okay. Single book. Okay, so I, I have them both as two separate ah. books. So awesome. Well, then let's uh, jump into drinking games. I'm gonna go with mine just because I think it's funny. Do it. Uh, 
Hi-ho, the Mario is my drinking game rule, and it's every time the name Farmer is mentioned, take a drink. And mainly in the middle of the book, that's going to really yeah. fuck you up. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game rule? Drugs! <laughs> every time the use of drugs is mentioned or is consumed, take a drink. Mr. Jason, what is yours? Uh, mine is called, it's a bird, it's a plane. Oh, no, wait, it's just a Zeppelin. Uh, anytime the word or name Zeppelin appears, take a drink. Well, let's see. Let's jump into votes um, as to whether or not we believe it is worth you, our dear listeners, hard-earned time, money, and effort to go hunt this book down. Which now, I would love to hear Jason <laughs> first because of the last book. Yeah. He was a little bit empty. I am actually. Uh, it's true. I'm actually a yes today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Mr. Todd. Yes. Yeah, and I'm a yes, too. And in fact, I will say, when I first read this, I liked it. I liked it a lot more the second time around, but it's also been many years since I've read it, because mm-hmm. um, when did this come out? I'm looking real fast. My copy says 2009, because um, I have mine. Mine's still actually published by Icon. I don't know if yours is published by Image or not. It's Icon. Ours is Icon yeah. as well. It's Icon as well. Okay. So, but yeah, I have mine from 2009, which I think I bought it shortly after it came out, because the second volume wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's been, this is one of the first comics that I probably read um, early on and really liked it back then. And then I really liked it this time around as well. <laughs> cool. Then let's jump into playlists. Uh, some songs that we think that would be good for you, our dear listener, to have playing on the radio or on your iPod or on your Amazon Echo or whatever in the background while you read this book. Um, I think mine just turned on. Uh, I'm, let's say, let's start with Jason. Bad to be good by poison. Nice, Mr. Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is "Days Go By" by Dirty Vegas. Oh, I remember that song. That's a good one. Um, and then mine is so. "Am I Evil," which is technically a cover, but I'm going to do the Metallica version off of the uh, Garage Inc. album. Uh, Love that you, song. You would do the Metallica version. Why wouldn't I? I mean. I did develop exactly. That's my awesome. I did do a Metallica holiday, by the way. Uh, another report. <laughs> did I ever tell you about that, Jason? No, I don't think when so. I was in college, February thirteenth. Exactly. Todd still remembers, and some of my friends, uh, including my friend Tyson, still will text me and wish me a happy val- uh, Metallica day. Metallica day. And it was prepared awesome. for Valentine's Day when I was, you know, young and single and bitter. Um, I mm-hmm. would uh, I would listen to Metallica all day and watch horror movies in preparation for Halloween or for Valentine's Day. Uh, that was my tradition, and so I had Metallica Day on February 13th. So for those of you who want to also uh, celebrate that, you are more than welcome to do so. <laughs> uh, cool. I mean, we've gotten through all that. Does anybody have any final warnings they think people should know before we uh, let them loose on to read this book? It, I, I will give one. Go for or, it. Go okay. ahead, Todd. Oh, Ed. You first. Okay. Um, yes, it is a drawn comic book. Wow. I still got squeamish with one scene in here. Yes, there. Trigger warning: there is um, some fairly explicit non-consensual sex. Yeah, that's what I was going to warn about. So yeah. there's some of that, and yeah. even the uh, violence. There's a scene with a shotgun in someone's face that is quite. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa! I have a thought about that, by the way, but we'll get into that when we do the analysis. Okay. Because I, I, I think there's something very deliberate what's going on here, and that's. But we'll we'll discuss that when we get in there. Okay. Uh, Cool. Does anybody else have anything else? I think that is a good warning to, yeah. to send people off there. Uh, <laughs> Nothing else yeah. on my end. Okay. Cool. Well, then we're going to take a little break, and we're going to let you take a little bit of a break and uh, go ahead and read this book. We all recommend that you should. Um, frankly, it is pretty awesome. And uh, when we get back, we will spoil the living crap out of it, so you have been warned. Um, and coming up here is a little, uh, little advertisement from one of our fellow... Hello, sweetie podcast uh, podcast. I don't remember which one is off the top of my head right now. I'm sorry to say, but um, <laughs> that's whatever next one is on the list. But I'm sure that they are wonderful, great human beings who do a great show. So we'll talk to you guys in a second. While we take a break, here is a message from one of our fellow Hello, sweetie network podcasts. When you have kids, it's almost impossible to find time to catch up on all your geeky obsessions. Comic books, TV, movies, games. We get it. Geek Parenting Podcast understands your pain and we are here for you. We're geeky parents just like you and we come together once a week to talk about what it's like to raise your little geeklings while staying true to your fandoms. New episodes every week. Find Geek Parenting Podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Geek Parenting Podcast. Sorry, Stefan. Uh, who wants to do the... I have to finish <laughs> saying it first. I'll do it. It's been a while okay. since I've done it. I'll just do it. 
Yeah. And this is an easy one to do, actually. As I was reading through it, I'm like, I could summarize this one too. But yeah, this is a good one. Well, it's cool, Todd. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Incognito, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Val Staples on coloring. So I'll summarize this thing. I'm not going to do a page-by-page turn. The concept of it is it opens up and you've got a character that's in the middle of witness protection, used to be a supervillain, ratted out on his boss, and now he is a drone pushing paper. Um, As life continues to suck, he starts doing some drugs just to make time go by and he figures out, hey, I'm getting my powers back because he was on power suppressive drugs because I'm getting stoned and this is cool. And because he's bored with life and he finds actually helping people out is the same kind of rush as robbing people. He's a do-gooder. Unfortunately, by doing so, his actions are able to be picked up and recorded by the nefarious organization he used to work for. And they're coming back to get him. And his WITSEC people are going, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm not doing anything. And then the nefarious organization's first rat of minions show up. Things get out of hand and they do what they're not supposed to do. He kills them. Then the heavy hitters come in and he uh, runs away with his twin brother's ex and they have some weird, creepy sex. And um, he goes back to where he learns he was born and he's not has just one twin brother, but multiple. His other twin sibling, I guess. Yeah, his other identical sibling or fellow clone. His other identical sibling is not quite right and is just a psycho crazy killer he kills him and he joins the good guys of going hey this sounds like a fun thing to do my life's worth living again and the end um a couple of things i think just to add into that uh one of the things please do one of the things he does learn is that um he and his twin brother and the other sibling that he didn't know about they were actually all part of a group of clones that were uh basically bodies for a superhero named uh lazarus who would never yes. die and then when they actually end up killing him, basically shooting him before he's able to transfer his consciousness into another one of his bodies, they then break in and find all of his clones. And so them being supervillains decide to try to use them for their nefarious reasons. Uh, of the 26, only three survive. His name is Zach because he's the third of the last three X, Y, and Z. Um, mm-hmm. So his brother, Exa- Xander, Xander, Xander is the one he knew about, but he didn't know about Yuri, who mm-hmm. was the Y. And of Yuri course, is, the Russian is the scary one. <laughs> of course. And Yuri also is fucking crazy. And one of the ways that they try to get him is they basically let Yuri loose and then try to blame it on, uh, Zach. on Zach. Yes. 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 Um, so, and, and we were talking about the violence, especially specifically the gunshot to the eyes and that kind of thing. The thing is, is that their name was Overkill. Yeah. And all of the violence in the book, like the two brothers, it was, uh, it was Zach and Xander overkill i think that a lot of the violence in here is to show how over the top superhero violence would actually be because it's trying to take a place in reality mm-hmm. where um you know they uh like they're, they're covering up these super villains and things like that by saying it was a natural disaster or that kind of thing and i think that i think it was a deliberate choice to try to have this be a very visceral like not comic book violence but like really visceral really in your face like yeah it, this would be really fucked up if it was really happening kind of idea and so that, oh, yeah. that was sort of my thought on on what you on that but uh, i'm curious i mean jason seems to agree with me you know e- even when it shows zach uh or yuri punching someone to death it's just uh, just a mess of blood and misshapen parts mm-hmm. of a body that, that are left in the wake it's it's very graphic and yeah, yeah the, the transfer of that looks like it hurts really comes through. Oftentimes with violence, especially superhero mm-hmm. violence, it's like everyone's in a bouncy house room and you're all just using blown mm-hmm. up toys as your points of impact and everyone's just so super durable, I suppose is the phrase they use. And yeah. in here it shows, though some might be, most people aren't, and the true suffix of being a peon among the um, others. Yeah, mm-hmm. Todd, what are your thoughts since you were kind of already going on? Like, I'll let you sort of jump in with your two cents on this. All right, so it's the Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips who are the focus of this. So it's got a very pulpy feel in the art to me. Mm-hmm. And so as we're watching this, and I was talking about it, is it still has that, if Sam Spade was a paper pusher, what would it be like? And 
that's definitely the tone at the beginning of the book, and that kind of folds its way throughout. And as we're watching this, he um, doesn't quite fit in. He's trying to do his thing. He's on suppressing, he's on drugs that suppress his super abilities. But he's like, I don't fit. He's trying to figure things out. And then he um, gravitates towards what he is. And what's interesting is you watch people in general, everyone's got their, um, I'm not, it's intuition, but they gravitate towards things that they like and things that they do. Even if they repress memories mm -hmm. or if they try and going to do something else, is it's hard to um, change. And he yeah. seems to be trying to change. And he's like, you know, I'm just, this is just who I am. And this is where I feel alive. This is where I fit. And it's a person coming to accept themselves. So it's a, it's a story of acceptance and mm -hmm. survival. And I think at the place, but they talk oftentimes stories are like man versus nature, man versus someone else or man versus himself. There is a mm -hmm. strong running theme of man versus himself and coming to accept. He's got these outside forces, mm -hmm. but his biggest um, enemy in his acceptance is this is who you really are. And as the story ends, it's him going, this is who I am and I'm going to accept who I am. And here we go. He accepts who he is, but he also yes. definitely grows uh, and realizes what mm -hmm. he no longer wants to be. So he definitely mm -hmm. has, he's a very dynamic yeah. character of, he recognizes of the villainy that he mm -hmm. much was a villainy and he talks yeah. about dude i need to kill this guy because he's going to blow my cover it's like before i just kill him and leave my name on it but now i need to figure out how to get away with it and how the fuck am i going to do that without anyone knowing and then he's got other people show mm -hmm. up and just take care of that for him and he comes to find out he's really good at the violence thing and for whatever reason he's just you know it's like well, i'm just really good at this and he's flipping sides for me, I didn't necessarily completely like. I, I I get where you're coming with it, but I didn't completely necessarily think of it as he's just good at the violence. I think it was one of those things where he wasn't meant to have a average life. Like he was meant, like he just naturally in his bones was meant to live something higher and more extraordinary because he had these powers. He knew what that was like, and he couldn't go back to a mundane life. I hear um, you. Even if he is it also the flip side? I mean, he the consciousness wasn't transferred, but Lazarus was the hero that got killed by the villains, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here is this person that was grown by the villains of like, look, you're going to be a villain now because of nature versus nurture a little bit. So mm -hmm. the nurture oh, yeah. says you're going to be villainous because we have nurtured you to be, sir. And his nature's like, you know, I can definitely do this sort of thing, but I just kind of float back. And you look at, does he going to that doctor, the Lazarus side of things of the hero because it's a nature versus nurture. Yeah. There's, there's that possibility, or I just, I think that maybe like just living that larger than life, extraordinary lifestyle was such a part of him that like being on the, like that, and also that the superhero versus supervillain are two sides of the same coin when compared to, you know, average people in this world. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and so maybe it's just one of those like he needed to be living his life on a higher plane and it didn't matter to him if he was on the good guy's side or the bad guy's side, but he couldn't live the, the life, you know, of, of an average literally a paper pusher like literally he was an office delivery boy like he was literally pushing paper around an office all day um sure you know and the drugs he was on was suppressing his powers mm -hmm. but he just felt like he was in this fog yeah he, he wasn't himself and and uh sort of combining both your two your your two points of, of view on it the violence whether it was of a super villain or superhero nature um, was all that he had known. So that's what mm -hmm. he was comfortably drawn towards. And then once he starts to get back into it again, when the drugs wear off, it didn't matter to him that he was technically doing uh, superhero duties. It was just the violence that he was comfortable with. And that's, that's who he uh, sees himself as, as someone who can do these incredible things and, and isn't meant to push around those papers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Todd, do you have any more thoughts? The... Um What's fun, I bring up the Sam Spade, you've got the style at the same time, it is, um, they make reference to a meteor or spaceship, or they deliberately do not define it, and they say no, anyone who knows isn't talking, mm -hmm. comes into contact, creates these meta, super elevated beings, and the technology that comes along with it as well. So you still have this deco-ish kind of... Um, aesthetic going on and then mm -hmm. back to the future flying cars built in with it too 
And so it's not steampunk in that way, but it's kind of here is a style from the past with futuristic things going. Uh, yeah, it's it's a pulp style. You know, yeah. I mean, like it's a fifties pulp kind of idea. Right. Um, and yeah, no, for sure. That, Sort of like a Buck Rogers thing. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. And it's a whole lot of fun. And I really enjoy that. And it feels like, oh, that's futuristic. Yet it looks old and it fits so well. The art sells that so well. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, here's this old pulpy thing. And then you've got this goofy Star Wars thing like bolted onto the side of it. It was really rather seamlessly integrated and slowly introduced as it was going on at the same time. So it just goes through and you just completely accepted the visuals going on. Even the styles of costumes and his mask and everything else there, it felt very much, you know, people are like, oh, it's over the top. And yet it's it fits right in with style. So you don't have um warring aesthetics is where I'm going. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it blends in something. I think it's, it's introduced enough. Cause like, as you're reading through it, all of a sudden, like you start with something that feels fairly realistic and then it slowly opens you up to this idea of superheroes existence and that kind of thing. And then as that gets through, by the time you're going down this road, you're, I mean, it's the, it's what the, in theater we call willing suspension, willing suspension of disbelief where, uh, by the way, uh, take a drink because I'm mentioning theater. Uh, <laughs> Woo-hoo! That's a William rule. That's on our website. I, I took it off of the opening, but it's on our website. Thank you, William. Thank you, William. Um, but uh, yeah, but like it's it's just this idea that you will believe that the actors are on stage are living in this rule, you know, or in this world. Uh, you'll give into like that and ignore the fact that you're in a theater. You know what I mean? And this is sort of like this idea too of like you're sort of dragged into this world and you start believing in it that yeah, they can throw in a flying car and in any, like if you were to read the first page and then jump to the flying car page, you'd be like, this is bullshit. And this doesn't make any sense. But the way it sort of lures you down that path, by the time it's a flying car, you're like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You know what I mean? If there was a superhero who was flying around in a Zeppelin shooting people, some of that, of course his daughter would have a flying car, obviously. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. I think cool. another interesting thing is the character of Amanda. Yes. She is a co-worker of his at his paper-pushing job. Yeah. And I love they don't even say what the job is. It's just he's a file no. clerk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he literally he pushes paper. pushing, and they show him pushing paper, and you're like, it is so bluntly on the nose, and it's hilarious for it. Well, and it's also, he says, I think the great line is, organize paper in a world that's going paperless, or something like that. <laughs> like I'm becoming his, even more useless. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm becoming even more useless. And then you've got Amanda floating here, which is a co-worker, and she seems to be a bit of a looker or whatnot. And if you mm-hmm. aren't someone that she deems that matters, she doesn't even refuses to acknowledge your existence. And mm-hmm. the moment she goes, oh, you're someone worth acknowledging. And this is someone that while she was drunk, he had sex with her when he was wearing someone else's Santa costume. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. Sa- He saved her from being um, assaulted. And then she says, mm-hmm. oh, you saved me. You didn't take advantage of me. Well, now take advantage of me. And he was kind of weirded mm-hmm. out by that. And then he goes to find out she had staged this because something had happened previously and this girl would be damaged. Yeah, she basically, she had sort of this thing for superheroes. So she would put herself in uh, scary situations so the superhero would come up, save her, and then she would repay them with sex. I, I didn't get that it was um, specifically for the... Uh, superhero to the show hero. up, but it, it, because she said that, just been her kink and someone dressing up as a supervillain was enough for her. So, sort of, it didn't have to be a supervillain yeah. related thing. Although she definitely did have that kink as well. Uh, it seemed that she yeah. just had the the rape fantasy uh, that she wanted to uh, enact with the guy that she hired online, and gotcha. Zach unknowingly stopped that. Um, but she's got those two uh, parts to her sort of. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Her, her sexual agency is that she wants that kind of, of excitement and, and she wants that sort of sexual encounter, um, whether it is with a super uh, powered person or of the um, uh, rape fantasy. Yeah, I mean, they implied that it came from having her be a witness to a superhero mm-hmm. yeah. event. Yeah. Um, may have been the in- indicating moment. Yeah. Or so there's definitely some trauma associated moment. with it, but yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, cool. But yeah, I, I did. I did appreciate that they expanded more on her character and her backstory because when she's introduced as just uh, the main character's rape victim, um, yeah. yeah. And and personally speaking, as the one who had the most issues with uh, Last of the Innocents and how it didn't really give the female characters mm-hmm. a lot of agency, um, 
mm-hmm. at least expanding on Amanda's backstory enough so you got uh, another side to her character was was I, I think a, a really good um, part of the story. Uh, Some of the other women are, are not necessarily fully fleshed out, but there are they're more than I mean they're they're strong in their own right. They have their own thing. You know yes. what I mean? Like yeah. uh, I'm blanking on her name. Well, there's Zoe who is. Huh? Zoe Zeppelin, and then there's Ava the Destruction. Ava Destruction. Ava Destruction, which is a great name, by yes. the way. Yes. Oh yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Ava Destruction is a very interesting character, actually. Uh, I think worth discussing. I think Zoe's interesting as well, but Ava is interesting because she's she had like, and I, I don't know if it's true or not. Like, because it sounds like she's kind of the girl who would just fuck with him just to make him like make him crazy. <laughs> but like, he's trying to figure out why like he's identical to his brother, mm-hmm. and she ends up hooking up with his brother and staying with his brother. And so like, and then he's sort of going out hooking up with groupies to try to, you know, because he has a psychic link with his brother, so he can basically feel what his experience with Ava is like. Yeah, and to try to drown that out, he's doing everything he possibly can. And so at the end, he's like trying to figure out why she picked his brother over her even though they're identical and she claims that she flipped a coin which knowing her that could both be true but it could also be a fact of she's just saying it just to make him crazy yeah you know and you're never going to be quite sure which is true well what i what i liked about that uh not only did it also showed another instance of uh consensual sex after the first <laughs> yeah <laughs> the first part um uh was he wakes up and he uh, doesn't feel her next to him, and he's actually terrified that she's betrayed him and that she set him up yeah. for something. And she goes outside, and, and she's really just uh, uh, dealing with two punks who tried to rob the house of their minibar yeah. or something. But what I liked about that was um, here's this guy who grew up as a supervillain, and he's just now starting to come into his own a little bit and realizing that he may not want to be the villain he just sort of wants to be whoever he wants to be mm-hmm. and when he wakes up and he's just been vulnerable with someone that uh admittedly he did actually have a lot of uh, feelings for and when you're vulnerable with someone and then you immediately think that they're going to betray you that's a personally speaking that is a very paralyzing terrifying thought yeah um and so at the end of that, when he realizes that she hasn't, it's also a very pivotal moment because he sees that she, as a supervillain, just wastes these two mm-hmm. kids and kills them. And he realizes that it's not exactly who he wants to be either. He doesn't want that sort of, of uh, part to be his identity. And I think that mm-hmm. that, that uh, small moment of him uh, waking up, being vulnerable, not wanting to be betrayed... And in that moment of vulnerability, seeing what a supervillain does, I think that's a very uh, powerful character moment for Indeed. me. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I can't I can't expand on that any further. Uh, <laughs> but I also, I mean, just I would like to talk about Zoe as well, just a little mm-hmm. bit, who I think is really interesting, who is sort of this strong superhero who keeps trying to kind of convince him. Like, she kind of reminds me of one of those like evangelical Christians who is sort of like, "Hey, isn't this fun? This is fun, right? Like, hey, being a hero is kind of fun, right? Like, and like uh, trying to kind of convince him, like, hey, maybe you should be on the good side for a change, uh, which I thought was interesting. She also has all the really cool toys. She does. Uh, and it's probably one of the- yes, yeah. Probably, probably one of the few people from the government who seems to actually get what's going on and, and able to handle everything that happens. Yeah. She's also um, good. I, I like a lot of her quips, too. Like, uh, well, it's not every day you get to rip out your own heart. Uh, yeah. And oh, he's yeah. like, it's good to know that I actually have one. Yeah, that yeah. was my favorite line. Yeah. Because <laughs> he does start as literally a character who uh, rapes someone and then has no regret. And then yeah. uh, the end is him realizing he literally mm-hmm. does have a heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does have actually a pretty, pretty extreme arc. Yes, and through the course of the book, but yeah. it never feels jarring. No, no, it's 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 well done. It's gradual. It's motivated by what happens around him, to him, and to others around him. Um, yeah, I mean, even the death of his uh, his friend Farmer, he didn't even uh, go through with killing him because he realized he kind of liked the guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think it's all just him. Even goes like he's this raging asshole trying to take yes. advantage of me, and like I'm shooting in the lamp, but I still like exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, the thing too, though, is like it's like I said before, like if you were to read the first page and the last page, you wouldn't buy it because like you're like, there's no way that same character goes that extreme, yeah, you know, completely. Um, but it sort of works through the whole thing, yeah. So yeah. cool. Does anybody have any uh, thoughts, or do we want to do some cocktails? Cocktails. Cocktails it is. Cocktails it is. Cool. Well, Mr. Todd, what is your cocktail? You know, I've been thinking about this one, and it's 
So we, we've got cocktails and stuff at different points in the story, what goes along with it. And I was really thinking as Hi, like, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, you're a good guy, Bruce. He's interested to hear your cocktail. He's yeah. interested yeah. to hear my cocktail. So, but this is a guy that's just trying to drown away and in this, you know, just the um, stupor of it all. Mm-hmm. And he kind of felt himself stuck and he's like, I'm joining WITSEC because what other choice do I have? And life sucks, and I wanted to go all away. So this is kind of time for an adios, motherfucker. Oh, of course, your <laughs> go-to, go-to. I mean, but it's a little bit there because if you're doing that adios, it's like, what's the point? So with yeah. the adios, motherfucker, and this one going on, or it's also known as like a bon voyage. It's the um, it's got a half ounce of Captain Morgan's rum, quarter ounce of vodka, quarter ounce tequila. Quarter ounce gin, quarter ounce of blue curacao, two ounces sweet and sour mix, and two ounces of lemon lime soda. So what you're going to want to do is add everything but the lemon lime soda to a shaker with rocks with ice in there. Shake the shit out of it. Pour it in a tall hurricane glass. Add some ice to that and top it off with your lemon lime soda. And then just drink about three of them. <laughs> Adios. Adios. Well, Mr. Jason, what is your cocktail? Uh, Mine is just called the Zeppelin. Um, It doesn't have a lot of uh, uh, psychology behind it, but it just (laughs) (laughs) sounds delicious, so I'll drink it. Uh, It's got two ounces of Godiva liqueur, two ounces of grenadine, and one ounce of Southern Comfort. Just pour it all into an old-fashioned glass, either neat or over ice, and enjoy. Mine is uh, called the Crime and Punishment, uh, which looks fancy as all hell, uh, and it has some really fancy names to it, but... uh, it was uh, seemed like something kind of fun. So uh, the Crime and Punishments, it is one ounce of Larceny Kentucky Straight Bourbon, uh, one ounce of Aperol, or Aperol uh, one ounce of Punt Emis, I don't know what that is, um, and one dash of Re- Regan's Orange Bitters Number 6. You add all the ingredients to a mixing glass and you fill it with ice. You stir, don't shake, and then you strain into a cocktail glass. Um, does anybody else have any more thoughts they want to go on? Any parting thoughts? In reference to the drinks here, I was watching a YouTube video about uh, it's how to drink, by the way. It's a pretty good channel. It's funny. But he goes kind of crazy, but that's the point of the channel about it. Is he's talking about making mm-hmm. your own grenadine. And so he will complain about store-bought grenadine. Then he goes, really? It's not that bad. You just need to make it yourself. And he goes through the whole process of how to take pomegranate juice and get a juice and how to get pomegranate molasses, and then cooking it, and then cooling it, and then going about how it tastes, how it's better. But the whole thing is really an intense process, and he's like, really, it's not that bad. And it feels like someone describing the process of making Coco Vaughn going, I just don't understand why anyone would ever store buy anything. Just make it all yourself. And you're like, dude, I get your channel is on how to do this, but really? That's it. (laughs) Yeah. So that would be my thought about that. Everyone needs a hobby. Everyone needs a hobby. (laughs) Ours just happen to be reading comic books and drinking. (laughs) But this is where going, you know, on drinking on that. I'm like, you know, yes, you can shy away from the cheap store-bought stuff. But there is some stuff that's pretty good that you can just pick up. There's, it's, It's sort of that hipstery thing where, like, you know, everyone starts writing weird books and, you know, or weird bikes and, um, all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I don't know. Everybody's, there's always going to be people who are like, oh, you always should make your own whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just how the world works, I guess. Everyone has their, their better secret way of doing them. Actually, I found something really funny. I don't know if I, how much, I can leave this in, actually. Um, so right. there is, um, there is this thing about Walt Disney had his own chili recipe that was always supposed to be so amazing and everyone talked about how great it was. And, for the employees at Disneyland on uh, Disneyland's birthday, they make Walt's chili for everybody, right? And like they talk about like as if it's I remember such having a that. Yeah. Treat. Yeah. You know what Walt Disney fucking did? Uh, what? He took two different cans of chili and combined them. Two different brands, two different companies, just took two different chilies, combined them, and said, I have a special recipe for chili. And everyone's like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's only actually marked in like a couple different places that that's actually what happened, but that's what so by a uh, small work story from working at Marvel. Um, every once in a while, because we, we did actually have Welch chili, I think every once every week, I don't remember which days it was. I, I mostly remember mm-hmm. uh, Poke days were Wednesday, but um, no, oh, yeah, 
um, every once in a while, the uh, cooks at the, um, I can't remember what the cafe was called, the Kingswell Cafe, I think, at Prospect. Anyway, uh, they would have a, a tasting table of a bunch of different kinds of chili, and it would range from um, uh, sort of like a, a Southwest Texan chili to like a North Carolina chili to like a Kansas barbecue chili. Um, and you get to try all the different chilies and they were just some of the best I've ever had. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why they never actually served those instead of Walt's chili, but I guess Walt's chili is cheaper. Well, I'm sure it's very cheap because yeah. it's just two cans of chili that you combine. Yeah. Hormel and Stag mix. Did you look at it? No, I have look no it idea. Up. I just <laughs> oh. picked brand names that i know i was like it wouldn't surprise me if that's exactly what it was i just i was like oh did you look it up but uh yeah well cool uh do we want to go into final grades then yeah let's, yeah, do, let's it. do it okay cool um so for the writer for mr ed brubaker uh what is your grade mr j you want to do self-contained first or yeah you're right <laughs> <For self> -contained, <laughs> damn <laughs> Damn, I have it written in front of me and everything. I'm even like, I'm using two screens today so that I can see it. I believe the and... drop you need to do is drink, fucker. <laughs> That's on my old computer. Uh -oh. <laughs> I mean, I can still probably find it, but it's it's it's, it's a pain in the ass. Anyway, uh, yeah, I fucked that okay. up. Uh, anyway, so uh, self-contained. For self-contained. What is your, uh, yeah, what's your I will give it an A. Um, uh, it has a beginning, middle, and end, even though the ending says, literally, maybe this is just the beginning, um, which does make me want to read the rest of it. Uh, but for self-contained, okay. I think it's still an A. Uh, Mr. Todd? I completely agree. So it was, um, with definitely, you've got the big, you've got the three parts, and as it goes forth, it feels very satisfied, and it, it, it opens up for the potential of more, but it's not needed for what's happened. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I will also go with an A. I think uh, I read it originally as it was just one, and then it became two, and I was really excited for the second one to come around. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay, for writing, for Mr. Ed Brubaker, what is your grade, Jason? Uh, it is an A. I'm very pleased with the uh, uh, improved agency that the female characters have in this as compared to uh, Last of the Innocent. Uh, Mr. Todd? I loved it. It's an A. Um, all the characters are fleshed out. Even the annoying Ajax was, um, I totally got <laughs> into that character. And I'm like, I know exactly who that fucker is. Mm -hmm. And even yeah. if you have as minor of a character as that, and you know who they are, and all of them felt so full, I mean, way to go. And the arc that it went through and how it mm -hmm. brought you forth at the beginning, you thought it was this one thing. And near the end, it was completely something else entirely. It was fantastic. It's an A. Um, I agree with all of that, so I will go also with an A. Um, so then for art for Mr. Sean Phillips and color by Val Staples, uh, Todd, what is your grade? You know, I'm going to give it an A-. minus. I thought it was uh, wonderful. It went through. It married the different ideas together. It was very consistent. Nothing felt jarring or it wasn't one of those. Here's the guest artist of the week. What is this? So it's an A-. minus. I really enjoyed the stuff. Um, I'm going to go with an A, actually, just because... I am not necessarily always an art guy. I feel like I'm more of a story guy, and I found myself several times looking at the art going, wow, this is really great. I'll also um, say so, some of that gratuitous violence made me physically uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Which is impressive to do with the still image that's drawn. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and you look at that, and that shotgun to the face and the eyes and all of that, you just look yeah. at that and you just went, oh. So, yeah. yeah. Way We're to go. Two kids with their okay. heads blown off. Well, uh, Mr. Jason, what's your grade? Uh, mine is also an A. Um, and uh, even though we, we didn't uh, touch on this, it's sort of similar to how uh, Phillips handled some of the sex scenes in Criminal. Uh, mm -hmm. They were sexy without being sensationalized or exploitative of the women. So uh, I found it mm -hmm. very tasteful, appropriate, and just really good to look at. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Uh, for overall grade, uh, I'm going to go with an A. Uh, I really, really dug this book the second time around that I've read it, and I loved the shit out of it. I thought it was really awesome. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your grade? It's an A. It totally holds up. It's um, a few years old at this point, and it doesn't matter at all. So there doesn't yeah. feel like it's dated in any kind of way, and it's just great. So yeah, it's an A. 
Cool. And Mr. Jason? Uh, mine is an easy A with Emma Stone. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> that requires no math on my behalf. So that is a, a grade point average of a 4.0. So that is an A grade uh, overall for us, which is pretty awesome for our GPA. Uh, cool. Uh, next week, what are we doing next week? The fade out. Ah, oh, you'll love that. This is a great book. Yeah, I'm excited for you to read this, Jason. Yeah, this too. is actually all about a Hollywood screenwriter who uh, gets uh, roped into uh, a conspiracy involving the death of a Hollywood starlet during the blacklisted era. Yeah, uh, nice. So, nice. What uh, I'll be interested in this because we're just doing the first of the three trades, right? It's, it's self-contained. Will be very interesting. Yeah, that okay. will be interesting because I remember reading this and I read all three like within two days. I'm like, oh, that's oh, so I good. Would... I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go. I was reading this as it came out, so I was reading and then going, shit, what happens next? So, <laughs> yeah, there we go there. Awesome. Does anybody have any recommendations for this week? I do. Go for it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to a D&D podcast called Dames and Dragons. Uh, it's it's just, a, I mean, similar to, to this podcast, uh, it's the opposite of a sausage fest, though, but it's a bunch of uh, <laughs> friends playing D&D, and they're all just really, really good uh, and close with one another and often imitate each other's voices. Um, they just have a great rapport with one another. Uh, they even joke at the end of the first episode, they were going to call it ADHD ND. Uh, and it just, it fits because it's, it's just wonderful and, and unexpected. And uh, it's, it's really nice to listen to. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend a book by uh, Derek Nguyen. Uh, is that Nguyen? How do you spell How do you say that? Nguyen. Nguyen? Okay. Yep, the guy's Vietnamese. Yes, I know. And I see the name spelling because one of my favorite players on LAFC is Lee Nguyen. Nguyen and I, Nguyen. Never, I never know how to pronounce it. And I, I always just call, call him Lee because I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> so, if you were, so here's what's terrible about Vietnam spelling. And I'm going to rant here for a moment. <laughs> okay. it, it used to be French Indochina. So you mm-hmm. take Asian sounds and let the French decide how that gets to be spelled. Um, so yeah. this is a group of people that don't have words for the number 80 or 90, and they just deciding some other back word ways to do it. It's the right way to go. I, uh-huh. I took four years of French, and it is fucking stupid and awful. And <laughs> you take the stupid and awful way of spelling things, and you give it to the French. So there's accented goos and graves and little chapeaus and circumflexes everywhere. And I deal with this shit at work all the time, and it still looks like fly shit. But yeah. Nguyen, it's the so Nguyen, it's the Smith or Johnson of the Vietnamese people. So you would pronounce it as if you spelled it N E W I N. Nguyen. Okay, Nguyen. Nguyen. Okay, there you got it. Thank you. Yep. So that's a lesson for me, kids, because frankly, I needed to know that anyway. Uh, but it's by Nguyen, who um, also did the art for uh, Descender with Lee, uh, not Lee. Lemire. Um, oh yeah. Lemire, Jeff Lemire, who I really like. But he, wrote, he did this book called um, Little Gotham, and it's just cute as hell. Like, it's just, uh, it, it, like, I just can't describe it any other way as cute. Like, basically, it takes on almost every holiday, like the first trade does, and it goes through uh, every different holiday. And it's like a cute little story where the villains and Batman, they sort of fight, but they sort of get along. So it's like, they're not necessarily totally toddlers, but they're kind of toddlers kind of thing. Like, they're drawn like they're little. Um, and so, like, it's it's just cute. I can't really say anything else, but like that, it's just really kind of fun and cute and endearing. And it's from some of the heavier stuff that we read. It's sometimes nice to have a nice little palate cleanser. And it's also some kind of nice to have a book that I could potentially, actually, and I completely and utterly plan on buying and sending to my nephew because uh, I think that he would enjoy the crap out of it. So I think it's just really fun and cute and worth definitely worth checking out your time. So. Uh, Mr. Jason, do you? Oh, you already have a recommendation. Yep. Todd, what is your recommendation? Well, to a little bit of play off of what you've been talking about there, I've got some nieces and they expressed interest in reading something. And they're tweens, teenager tweens. They're in their yeah. age range. And I lent them two books. And two days later, they brought them back and they asked for the next volumes. And so I'm feeling <laughs> like I'm drug dealers. But they're on Runaways with Brian K. Oh, yeah. So, and I'm also, they're also reading Mech Cadet U by um, Greg Pack. So, he has mm-hmm. two trades of that out right now, but that one's actually really good and a lot of fun as well. But um, I think Greg Pack's going to be at uh, WonderCon when we're out there. You know, I, I, I'm looking forward to WonderCon, and I'm going to see what's left of DC after this week. So. Why? What's going on with DC? 
Have you not heard about that? Oh, there are uh, layoffs and restructuring and oh, a whole really? lot of that stuff going on lately. They're only right now. DC's only um, publishing twenty-two titles at this time. Oh, wow, jeez. So I guess at their height, they were at like 52, 50, the new 52, they had 52 titles going. Right now it's 22. What's interesting to watch, total volume in sales of total copies sold for new comics is not that much moved. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of what they discovered, they published a lot more titles and they are, um, now they're publishing fewer titles, but total copies moving is still about the same for them. Mm-hmm. So, is it just a uh, market capacity issue? I'm not sure. But, yeah. So, there's some interesting things shaking out at DC right now. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. We could have a philosophical discussion about that because that's part of the reason why I chose the major that I chose, but that's a totally different issue. So, yeah. So, that's going on. And then I guess they also announced that um, Jessica Jones Season 3 yep. is going to be the last and Netflix is done with original Marvel content. Yep. Yep. And instead, Marvel TV so, is going to be doing yeah. uh, The Offenders, a group of uh, animated TV shows. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Has that been officially announced? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As you told me, and I think this is really interesting, uh, working on animated is actually, they don't pay as much as they pay for live action. Correct. It's a different set of uh, unions and stuff. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So they're not Writers Guild then? Uh, not. <laughs> I, well, I mean, it, it depends on on what deal is structured, but most animated shows have a different uh, or under a different uh, uh, agreement between the studios. Yeah. So you wouldn't or would go take one of those jobs? Uh, I mean, if they paid me the same rate, I would uh, I would go on to it, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Is, is there an offer out there? Not yet. No, but I haven't I haven't talked to my uh, friends in development in a while, so I got to reach out to them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Sweet. if they don't mind me keeping a day job, I'll I'll write. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Well, then that'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, join us next week for the fade out. Um, specifically, Jason, you make sure you join us because that is definitely within your wheelhouse. Uh, I'll be there. We need we need one of the Hollywood elite to let us know how <laughs> accurate it is about being a Hollywood writer. <laughs> yeah, I'll have all the insights that uh, that I can muster. <laughs> Okay, sounds great. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Please rate us on whatever service you listen on. And remember, at least we're not cinema queens.